The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Decisions continues. I am Gabriel Morenci. I'm on the grid, and so is Kevin Walsh. Steps up and in post WrestleMania. A lot of stuff to get to uh, with Kevin, but before we do, I've got to compliment him um, on the den. I just love the look. It, it, you know what? It's like, like you said, there's a bar there too. I think you uh-huh. should probably set up shop actually at the bar. And you know, I'm a fan of um, of uh, Mr. Walsh. I like the uh, I like the look. It looks like basically like Archie Bunker's bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got something for you right by me. It just, it's because it, I had to move a bunch of stuff around. You can see this, though. It is, I mean, I got to imagine it's from the 80s or the 90s. It's a bottle of Bud Light as a bowling pin because a lot of stuff down here, it's either Yankees, That's amazing. Cowboys, or it's a lot of his, his, uh, his, you know, bowling trophies. My dad, like, legit, like, I got, there's a couple, like, 300 plaques. Really? Um, yeah. The one that I love the most. It's just because it's so unique to me. Is there's it's eleven in a row. He which he, for the for three hundred it's twelve. He bowled eleven strikes in a row, and they gave him a plaque for it. And I just like you know what? Yeah, he put that up because he wasn't upset about. it. He's like, no, that's still badass, which it is. Yeah, it's it's the bar. I love this setup. So 12, 12 strikes. That's that's a perfect game. So he needed one more. Yeah. But he's bowled perfect games. Ultra yeah. impressive. People don't realize how hard uh, bowling is. I'm a fan of bowling actually. Mm-hmm. I like to spend more time uh, doing it. So let's get down to business. We're getting to the NFL draft uh, a little bit and the sports uh, sports scene in general to see any any props. Uh, me and Cam are finding a lot of great NFL props, but a lot of line movement too, uh, mm-hmm. as far as draft positioning, uh, when players are concerned. But uh, WrestleMania, there was a lot of um, curiosity about WrestleMania going into it due to the lack of fans. Of course, it was supposed to be at Raymond James Stadium, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they moved it to um, to their performance center in Orlando. Um, and, you know, people wondered, how are they going to pull this off? Like, for an event that's supposed to have such a big feel uh, to it, such as WrestleMania. But it seems to me, 
And wrestling fans are very critical, right? I mean, they're, they're amongst the most critical out of any fan out there. They want to hate everything. Seems to me that WrestleMania got pretty positive feedback all around, even from the haters. Yeah, I think it's it's hard not to, right? Because when you think about the circumstances, the fact that those guys and girls were willing to go out there and, I mean, I would say 95%, I mean, if not all of them, like, gave it their all as if there would have been a full crowd there. And you have to appreciate that. It, it was it was really interesting. I'll say the one thing about the WrestleMania weekend, it was being on both nights, it restored that feeling of when we're usually looking forward to games. Like, oh, what are you doing tonight? Like, oh, WrestleMania's on. Like, I'm doing something. Well, there was something that a collective was watching together, yes. right? Yes, that, that, That's the thing. There was something that there was the whole sort of, there was everybody watching at once. Uh, that that was that was cool about it. Now, as you stated, you know you have to give credit to to the wrestlers. They're performing under difficult circumstances. They're risking their own personal safety and health mm-hmm. already in this business as it is. Yeah. And you know we we heard a lot of stories about wrestlers being sent home and the Miz and you know exposing maybe the Uso brothers and they were upset for real. And I found it interesting. Stephanie McMahon said, everybody that is here is voluntary. She kept on saying that. I'm, I'm sure almost they had to sign a waiver, mm. <laughs> basically. Stating, I'm sure he had, there's, that's like, uh, <laughs> that's like Bill Belichick saying it's a voluntary practice. Yep. Like, yeah, 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 right, yeah, okay. Vince McMahon, there's nothing voluntary about anything. Mm. But they would all want to perform uh, at WrestleMania. But let's be real. And WWE's had a very bad year. In the sense that, you know, Vince McMahon puts $375 million of his own money into the XFL. No fault of his own, the league shuts down again. And they were actually pretty successful. That's a lot of money that's just on the table right now for him that's sort of in neutral, plus lost revenue, et cetera. That sucks. Mm-hmm. WWE stock has been taking a hit all year. And listen, st- his stock goes up and down like a toilet seat at a Polish wedding. And that's Steve Ludzig's line, uh, coach of the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. <laughs> Shout out to my boy Ludzig. He's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great line. Yeah. <laughs> Up and down like a toilet seat at a Polish wedding. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yeah, their stock takes a beating a lot, but that's going to happen. You know what I mean? It happens with all companies. So, but it really's taken a, a beating this year mm-hmm. because of the creative, right? You're a wrestling fan. The WWE sucks. Let's just be real. It's yep. not, it's not a good product. They don't, they aim to please everybody and don't please anybody. That's like their motto almost now. Yeah. And they fired or people resigned, like CEOs that aren't related to the McMahons, that people Whoa. respected in the business community. Their stock plummeted after that. Mm-hmm. And then WrestleMania, they lose all the fans. But where I'm going with this, it seems like this is the first time in, in years almost that people are walking away. First time in years I tweeted out, Congrats to Vince and the WWE. Mm-hmm. Hell, even uh, Broken Matt Hardy tweeted, said, good job, guys. Yeah, and that's yeah. saying something right from him. Absolutely. I mean, and, and he obviously, the, the terms that he left on, and part of the Matt stuff is because, and it's absolutely a fact, you can see his influence yeah. in what were the two biggest things that came out of WrestleMania. Well, no coincidence, he tweeted after that Funhouse match. Yes, He's like, hey, guys, I, yeah. I see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, which, which you got to appreciate. I'll tell you the... The, the, the thing about the WWE, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this, is they had two nights. And it was concise, uh, three hours or three and yeah. a half on night two. 
and it didn't overstay its welcome. I was at WrestleMania 35 last year. All in all, not a ton to complain about. You got a lot of the feel-good wins, and... But it was too long. That's the thing. You're there forever. So, and, like, that's one of the biggest things that, to me, is coming out of this, is how they will move forward with WrestleMania when hoping if we get back to normal, are they going to try to make this a two night event moving forward? And yeah, can they have a hundred thousand fans in that new stadium in Los Angeles next year? That's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds extreme and oh, it's a long time away, but until there's a vaccination, you know, that's 12 months away, 12 to 18 months. Okay. Sort of, kind of, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure Listen, word was they would have done it in an empty stadium if they could have. Mm-hmm. They would have preferred just so they could have used all their toys and everything, right, in the videos that they did. And that was one thing I thought was really cool. They do do a good job with that, don't they, as far as – except the New York thing. They went cheap last year. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember people were like, "What's that's your set, really? You know, was, the bridge was, here and the Statue mm-hmm. of Liberty? Like, like, you know, like yesterday or when, when we were at WrestleMania uh, over the weekend – I, I was watching a lot of it and just, you know, the the Tampa aspect and the pirates and yep. the ships and like they're very good at the video stuff. They used to be masterful at it, but it was it had that old school feel to it. It did feel like a important. I was like, you, you're watching something real, which was cool. Yeah. Now, you and I have talked about this. The all elite wrestling seems to work better without fans. And I think because they're older wrestlers. They carry things better. They're better on the mic. They're better actors. WWE, some guys are good at it. It seems the WWE, though, it's so built around fans. I found personally, and I didn't watch every match. I'm gonna be real. No. Most of the matches in the ring, I was like, like I was like, it's not. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't work, right? <laughs> so, but from what I saw, and I would the three best matches for me, what I really enjoyed. We got to start off with the Boneyard match. And, <laughs> And I got to be real. I I saw the hashtag boneyard match, right? So, but I didn't know. I thought they just called it a boneyard match and they were going to be in the ring and stuff. So I didn't know it was a WWE cinematic experience. So let me just add this quickly. One of the reasons it was called a boneyard match, and I actually have to give them credit because usually they wouldn't care. It was a buried alive match, but due to the times, super insensitive because they've had buried alive matches before. So they switched it to boneyard match. Uh, and uh, uh. <laughs> it's, it worked for me because boneyard match is hilarious. And also like, I'm surprised like Vince wasn't like, nah, screw him. So what, what were they going to do? So it would have been a buried alive at the stadium then. And they would have had a, something Rob. there. Like, you know, who knows how they would have pulled that off. Right. And we'll never know, I guess. Yeah, right. We'll never know yet. So they do the boneyard match. And so I'm watching, and I saw a bit. I was like, oh, WrestleMania, I'll check in a bit. I was like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, oh, I'll watch The Undertaker and AJ Styles. So I see AJ Styles, and he comes in, and he gets out of the hearse and stuff. I was like, yeah, that's, I got to laugh. See, they made me laugh. I was like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's funny. He was like, yeah, it's not, that's not so scary. He's like, it's supposed to be scary. He goes, it's yeah. not scary. And then, you know, The Undertaker, you hear Metallica and, like the, you know, you hear the motorcycle come in and they show him driving down the road and it's extremely well shot and stuff. So I'm thinking to myself, kind of, I'm like, damn, man, they're really eating up a lot of time with this intro, aren't they? I'm like, how long is this match going to be? <laughs> so it's going on. And then I'm thinking, I'm like, man, 
it's like the longest intro ever. I'm like, are you guys going to start the match? And then I clued in. I'm like, this is the match. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Boneyard match. They started going. Then I caught on, you know, earlier now. I was like, wow, this is it. I was like, wow. And then I was like, brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Because let's be real. The Undertaker can't wrestle. Right. And he'd be exposed in an empty arena in a ring. It would just, you couldn't do it. Like it right. would, it wouldn't work well. So I thought that they shielded him perfectly. And to be honest, and I'm a big Undertaker fan, but come on, man, he's been done for years, bro. That was the best he looked. Like he pulled this off, this match pretty good, don't you think? No, yeah, you got to give Taker his props. What really, what he, it was a downward, downward spiral for many years. He had the match in Saudi Arabia with Goldberg. That was horrible, horrible. Of course, like coming off of that Goldberg still hands up the champion, blah blah blah, whatever. But. Uh, the Undertaker then really tried to make a point to have a couple of good matches in a row. He did a tag team match with Roman Reigns that a lot of people enjoyed. Save the ref on the way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, exactly. But one of the interesting, cool things that came out of it was Kurt Angle apparently told Taker, he's like, work with AJ and you'll have the best match you've had in plenty of years. Oh, I was, it's a good point you bring that up because it takes two to dance. And AJ mm-hmm. was great, actually. He took a great beating, mm-hmm. he was really good in the match. Um, there were nice touches to it. I liked it. was just basically a combination of everything, right? Little yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. It really had that Walking Dead feel. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, you know, that Negan and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> Daryl and stuff. They really had that Southern sort of in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was tombstones around. It was like a movie set. But the, the music really added to it. Yeah. Like otherwise it would have been a little awkward. My only beef with it, my only beef, I thought it could have been more violent. Like, the production was very good. There wasn't really, there was just sort of a lot of punching, and, like, he threw him off the roof. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, and I even tweeted, they're on the roof now. <laughs> like, I was excited. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, they're on the roof, right? So what's going to happen? <laughs> and he threw him off the roof, but it was very movie-like. Mm-hmm. Like, you can totally see there was no, you know what I mean? He landed yeah. on fake hay type thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that high. I was a little, like I said, the carnage could have been more, in my opinion. Like, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, like, real violence in it. That's that's how I feel about another match that I think we're going to be talking about. But I'll tell you, for me, the thing that I really loved about this was getting to listen to The Undertaker talk trash to him when he was in control. It was so enjoyable for him to be, like, hugging him. Ah, you did good, brother. I'm not going to hurt you. I got to be honest, Kevin. Yeah. I was thinking at that time, I was like, damn, man. I was like, I've talked, like, The Undertaker might be dumb, but I'm glad that's not me with him right now. He's like, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, like, even like the, the, even him, like, and you know it, The Undertaker over the years has been known, he's like the room enforcer, right? Yeah, you yeah. You get out of hand a little bit, he raises it up a notch, right? And he's the guy that if in the old days, if you piss Vince off, you're like, oh, you're going to wrestle The Undertaker. And it's not going to be fun. Like mm-hmm. when you're in there with him. So I imagine he was saying, because that's who he is. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you want to be a big shot, a huh, big man. And he's like, you know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> yeah, like the little interaction actually was good. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And that's that you're right. Like he was the judge in wrestler's court all those years. So it adds to the to the mystique of it. It actually, it's a funny story. It's why the, the Young Bucks who are in AEW, they have a finishing move called the Indie Taker, and it came because one of them started acting as, like, a locker room general for, like, the boys on the independent scene. So Indie, 
Taker, they kind of combined it, and it, it goes to the Undertaker character. But all in all, I, I thought it delivered. It's exactly what they should have done with the circumstances. Really, the only thing that upset me, and you probably loved it, right, because you love Metallica, is I wanted the Limp Biscuit roll and roll and roll and roll. That's the theme song I needed him to come out to. If, he, if he's on a bike, that's the song that's got uh, to be playing for me. Yeah, it's not, and the Metallica song's not exactly like Metallica's best. You know, yeah. there's so many songs you can come out to, like. Okay, it was a nice, like I said, the music added to it, the cinematic, and like I said, that's what they literally called it, a cinematic experience. Yeah, there was a and, score. Yeah, no, and it was. There was a score to it. It was very, very well done. And you know what it was, too? It made you forget that there was no fans. It made yes. you forget that, oh, like this sucks and never the world sucks, and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was a nice distraction. I thought, and really, I would have done more of it. I would have been out of the ring as much as possible if I was them and came up with different concepts uh, like that. So let's go into the next one, which um, was the last man standing match, I believe it was called, yeah. mm -hmm. with Edge and um, and and Randy Orton. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't realize Edge was even back. Like, oh. I kind of knew, I knew he was back a bit, but I didn't realize he was back, back, willing to take a beating. Like, I thought he just sort of showed up and talked a bit sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, the... the uh... The documentary that the WWE did on Edge and his whole return. Now, I watched it after the match, but it, I mean, you can't watch that documentary and not be completely behind this guy. And it actually really, really worked out for them really well, Gabe, because they were actually, uh, the way he said it was they were kind of doing a documentary on life after wrestling already. So they had so much footage. And then it snowballed into this return. And they said, I mean, it was really like something that they could genuinely put up for awards because they had so much footage. Like, even when you had the spear at, at, at SummerSlam. And the story between him and Orton is the one that fans were really appreciating the most on a weekly basis. Through I remember on In-Game Live, Cam goes, Walsh, I just got to ask you quickly, is Randy Orton about RKO Beth Phoenix? And I'm like, he's watching <laughs> And he was all into it. Uh, Edge. Edge, home, uh, home of the Toronto Raptors. Oh, uh, they had a whole thing about the the arena and what it means to him. It's where he met Beth Phoenix. Is where well, he had, what, uh, uh, where the Raptors play? Yeah. At, at that arena. Yeah, the yeah, Air Canada he, Center now, the Scotiabank Center. Had their, had their last singles match there. That's where they turned on each other. Uh, he had a world championship match here at Cena. He talked about, like, that building means more to him than any other place in the world. Yeah, and you know what? I thought for... I know it's not that old. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll continue the WrestleMania conversation with Kevin Walsh. Get on the grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. You are watching Game Time Decisions. I am Renzi. We're throwing it down with Kevin Walsh. We're talking some WrestleMania. Talked about the Boneyard match in The Last Man Standing which um, also really took place. So it was between uh, Randy Orton and Edge. Mm-hmm. I don't, I wasn't aware of the full storyline, but I knew it was a lot of, it was about Beth Phoenix. And yeah. yeah, Randy Orton's not scared of uh, hitting a woman. That's one thing he's never been shy of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but he's a good villain though. He really is just a yeah. good jerk. It, yeah, mm-hmm. You almost get the feeling that he's like that in real life. He's he so good at it. No, he is. Like there's plenty of stories about what Randy Orton has done behind the scenes. Yeah, that he's just a jerk, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, they always say the best wrestlers are the ones who are being themselves when they turn it up a bit. That's Randy. From what I understand, like, most of the divas hate him. I don't know if, like, he's upset them one by one along the way, but, uh, yeah, I know he's not the most beloved guy, but he is entertaining. He's good at at what he does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that match... Um, pretty much spread out throughout the performance center. Yes. Right? You know, they were in the gym area. They're in the garage area, which another another creative way of getting them out of the ring with no fans, mm-hmm. which I thought, I thought was cool. But at the same point in time, I don't know if they sample tested it because we talked about, like you, had, you said, oh, they had the score for the Boneyard match yeah. and they had music underlying it and it made a difference. And it wasn't over the top, but it was very just sort of like, it was like a horror movie like once in a while like to build the drama and then like they wouldn't play music for a second but they used music marvelously even though they were indoors in the performance center I thought maybe music could have been good I like a little like tense music since they were in the thing have music playing in the performance center in the background a little bit just to sort of add just something now I like the fact you could hear them talking to each other too and you could hear everything But it was a very long match because I was watching it, bro. And I went to pick up my pizza and French fries and I came back and I was like, damn, these guys are still going. And they beat each other up pretty good. I got to be honest, though. There was one time when they were in the gym. They set it up. They looked like I wanted them to throw throw them through the glass. Oh, that would have been good. Like, do you remember like they sort of the glass was there? And I was like, come on, guys. Some, you guys yeah. got to raise it up a notch a bit here. So like, someone like, yeah. I get it, and you can see Edge's back was welted, and he did like get hit for real a bunch, mm-hmm. but there wasn't that signature holy that wrestling fans like. That wasn't that uh-huh. like, oh my god, right? It never yeah. came in that match. No, it's a good point, right? What is so the match was thirty six minutes and change. Wow. What's the 
Whoa, like aside from the finish, right? Because there's always going to be the thing, yeah. right? No, that's the thing. It was a good match, but they didn't have that moment. It didn't. It didn't. And part of the issue was I was talking about it with with my brother, and in the first two minutes of the match, Edge was down for a nine count. If anybody doesn't know how Last Man Santa works, it's you have to be down for ten seconds. He's down for a nine count because he gets hit with two RKOs right off the bat, and to keep the continuity and the selling, he's now got to go to a lot of nine counts and we spent a lot of this match counting off of moves i mean just punches to the back that knocked edge off of his feet and i understood why in the context of the story but it was almost as if the match was at the same pace the yes. entire time That's a good point. and i just like i mean like God. even at the end like and even and it, that's the whole thing but that's why they get paid to do it because they're on that truck, they're on the top of it, and it's that sense of danger. Once Orton sort of, I thought he was going to fall. Like, once Orton sort of slipped a bit, yeah. he didn't slip. It wasn't like a panic, but even he realized, oh, man. Like, mm -hmm. like his leg was dangling off, and he sort of, like, he, he got himself yeah. closer. But they were very deliberate up there, and you could tell they were very worried about falling off of it. But they weren't even that high. And, I, and like you said, I kept waiting for that moment. Because mm -hmm. they were up there, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going to throw him off the top. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they even teased us walls because they had ladders everywhere in there. Because I'm like, oh, what a convenience. So they happen to have a ladder there. I'm like, all right, yeah. what are you going to do with the ladder? So I'm it, like, come it, on, Edge. Like, jump up and land on a pickup truck on him or something. Like, mm -hmm. I was, like you said, there was that. And then it was kind of like, eh, and it was over. It's a good point. It was good, but it never got better. It just sort of went along. Right. And that's the problem is you, when you're, when you're doing good or average work for 36 minutes, it becomes kind of bad. It starts to, you know what I mean? Like that trip for you to go get pizza and French fries probably made this match sit better for you than me. Because That's a good I, point. I was, you know, I even went to the store too. I was gone probably about eight minutes type thing. Yeah. I mean, people started making tons of jokes. You know, I think there's going to be a vaccination by the time this thing is done. <laughs> like, there's all, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of good ones that you would like on the, on the wrestling Twitter with that match. I just, that was a thing for me. I, 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 I think they could have gone about it a little bit different way. Like Randy Orton dressing up as a cameraman and giving a sneak RKO doesn't really apply to the story, right? The story is that Randy wants to put Edge on the shelf because he shouldn't be back wrestling. It's too dangerous and he's not caring about his family enough, right? But Edge is saying, that's BS. You're jealous and you want me gone because I'm taking your spot. It genuinely is a brilliant story. Nowhere in that story does Randy Orton dressing up as a cameraman fit in. <laughs> like, he should have just walked out. I wanted the bell to ring and for them to stare at one another, right? Talk that trash, right? Go ahead. Like, throw me a couple bleep. And you know what? They could have pulled it off in a ring, too, because they're both good wrestlers, right? Yes. And I like, I like using, for last man standing match, going all around the performance center makes all the sense in the world. That's great. That's very, very smart. That's where we were for, for 34 minutes. Yeah, without, and as I stated, without real chaos. Yeah. Without a real, like, you know, when he, it was good when he pushed the metal cart at him. Right, but and he didn't but, Exactly, and it was like, you keep teasing us with stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I said, like, and he even had the lights on the glass, and I was like, oh, yeah, here it comes. Mm -hmm. Here it comes. I was like, they set up some, you know, they got some softer glass set up. <laughs> They're yeah. going to go right through. They didn't. They went through the door. They walked through the door. I was like, come on, guys. Mm -hmm. Go through the go through the wall or something. 
Yeah. Like, you, you know, like in the old days, the ultimate fighter? Mm-hmm. You know, they used to do it deliberately, Kevin, where <laughs> the walls were thin and the door, so Brock yeah. Lesnar, poof, he goes through like the wall. Was it was like Rampage a, who broke the door? Yeah, right? like like you said. Like, people were like, damn, man, that door was, like, set up more than WWE. Like, <laughs> bam, like, he ripped the door off the hinge easily, but... Yeah, we like to see that, right? I want to see someone go through a door, go through I, a window. You know, I wanted to ask you because I didn't know if you saw this. It was one of those things where like people were talking, like, "Man, you had the chance to edit this down, and I don't know how you left this in." And it's, man, like you got to think that these two guys would be upset at themselves for maybe not catching it, but they had kind of that spot where Orton's like hanging edge using gym equipment. Yeah, and this is on the heels of the Benoit documentary that just came out, which is. Yeah. how obviously that played out. And there's a lot of people very uncomfortable with that spot. And it's one of those things where there's no way that those two guys would do that deliberately. That That is absolutely they not. They got caught crazy. up in the moment. And, and right. you know what I mean? Yeah. The, you had the chance to edit this. And that's the uh, other yeah, thing, right? Yeah, it's a good 36 point, yeah. and change, and they had the chance to edit it. Those guys are probably going for 45 minutes, if not more. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And it's not live. They could have shortened it uh, down. You know, one thing with Chris Benoit, um, had him on my show, not like weeks before. Wow, yeah. But probably like months mm-hmm. type thing. So fresh, in fact. Pretty crazy. I was on Sirius at the time. I used to have wrestlers on all the time, once a week, twice a week, and um, had Benoit on, and he cut a bunch of promos for me. Wow. And it was nuts. It was like, I'm Chris Benoit, vent your rage. Otherwise, and he's like, tune in. Otherwise, I'm going to come like, I had like promos of Benoit threatening people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, it seemed cool. This is the crippler. I'll come and cripple you. Like, he was like, basically did all these things. I know where you live. I'm going to come here. Like, he got all these promos. Uh, And I remember like a month later, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, Mm -hmm. and they deleted them right away in the system. They said, no, this guy has got to go. Like, can't, like, so I understand, but like you said, like, I don't think it was a deliberate thing that Vince was like, oh, make sure to do that. No way. Right? Those no. guys got, they were there. They saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, all right, let's get into the, uh, let's get into the, the, uh, the fun house uh, match, yeah. which was very similar to me, like the Boneyard match. And you had to understand me on this, that. Same thing. I was like, is this the intro? Like, what the hell is this? I was like, are they ever going to like, and then I sort of clued in. I was like, no, this is sort of like, I figured it out. I'm like, this is the match. Because yep. I got to be honest, like when Cena walked into the fun house, mm-hmm. I got a kick. I was like, uh, I started laughing. Uh-huh. I like that puppet, the chick with the black hair. And stuff. So, <laughs> the other puppet talking. It's a good bit. I like, it was all good. So when he's in the fun house, I was like, oh, cool. I was like, they're going to fight in this fun house. They're going to beat the crap out of the place. They had that door where it said abandon all hope. So I was like, you know what? They'll fight. He's going to get thrown through a wall in this house. And then they're going to go into some sort of, I figured like a haunted house thing, like with a wait in that, you yep. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Behind in the door and Bray Wyatt would be waiting for him. But yeah. it was all video edited. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was literally like for anyone like, you know I mean? I was getting people that were tweeting me and they're like, dude, I did mushrooms. This isn't like, this is like freaking me out. <laughs> like if you were on acid or something, <laughs> it was like Pee Wee's Playhouse times 10, yet with wrestling humor. Mm-hmm. And listen, the Vince McMahon puppet with the horns, that was classic stuff that Vince would even allow that, right? Yep. That he made himself to be the devil. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, it's one it's one of the things Matt Hardy because he recently, you know, went to AEW. Uh he did a podcast with Jericho because that's what everybody who leaves does. They do a podcast with Jericho. And he talked about Hardy had a similar match in WWE and Vince was basically like, "I don't get it. I don't get this at all." And it wouldn't surprise me if for a lot of this match, Vince was like, "Yeah, I don't get it." But people told him like, "Just let it go." Kind of thing. Oh, it was the creative team. And that's the thing. The WWE creative team has been ripped. They're very, they're very sanitized. Yeah. It's it's repetitive. Like that's one of their big issues. I give credit to the creative team for thinking outside the box and John Cena for even going along with it. Because you know, you figure John Cena could have the juice and say, This is dumb. I'm not doing mm-hmm. this. Like I'm not. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the fact that John Cena can act is good. And there's the one thing about Bray Wyatt, which I saw people say they loved it. It's classic. It was so unique. Other people were like, oh, it was too weird. But Bray Wyatt is really good at talking. Mm-hmm. He's a great actor. He's very good at the characters. He can change voices He's on a dime. Like, he can go into different characters, which is very impressive. Yeah. He's not a great wrestler, per se, though. Mm-mm. And people are like, oh, I would like to see more wrestling in a match. It's like... Once again, those two would have been exposed in a ring. They couldn't have wrestled 18 minutes in a ring, these two guys. Like, it wouldn't have worked, right? They need And Cena needs the crowd. So all things considering, I thought it was kind of brilliant, actually, what they did. I mean, looking back, instead of having no fans, people would look back and go, man, that was the most unique, strange WrestleMania ever. A hundred percent. And the thing about the Firefly Funhouse is it was was a cohesive story. And... It ripped Cena's career apart from his failures to the things that were missed opportunities, right? Like the ruthless aggression stuff, which Cena openly says, I I hate it. It was awful. It almost got me fired, right? The little Johnny Large Meat segment, which is absolutely hilarious, but it also takes a shot, a shot at Cena for only caring about getting bigger and not actually spending any time get, becoming right. a great wrestler, right? And then so there's get, Cena, though, with a sense of self-depreciating, yes, sense of humor, yes. making fun of himself. Yeah, exactly. And for people who maybe if they didn't get it on first, I've already watched the thing twice. I loved it. So like the NWO stuff, what that is, is so in the match at 30, Bray's like hit me with the chair. Right. Because the whole story at WrestleMania 30 was basically Bray trying to say John Cena is a monster and he could have turned heel. Right. And in that moment. He didn't. He stays face, and Cena stays face forever, and it's always the big what if. What if Cena turned heel? The NWO connection is the guy who had a very similar beginning career, Hogan, actually turned heel and went Hollywood Hogan. So that's what that was. Cena coming out with the NWO belt, doing a little rock and roll, is the idea of what would have happened if Cena turned heel. You see the flashbacks to the signs. If Cena wins, we riot. Cena sucks, because that's the result of him never actually turning I mean, it really was a brilliant, brilliant piece that they put together. Yeah, like, of the his, and you know what? Like, you know it more intricately than I do, even, mm-hmm. with those little details of everything. Yeah, it spanned their careers, right? Of all their characters, so to speak, into one. Yeah. And I did think it was cool, and I, I saw that coming, too. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Fiend part's coming now soon, right? It's going to mm-hmm. sort of culminate uh, with that. I, and the Bischoff stuff, which was great. Mm-hmm. And then after, you see Bischoff. <laughs> great. Like, literally baffled, right? Like, mm-hmm. literally Bischoff, like, did a little, like, tweet periscope. Mm-hmm. He's like, he goes, wow. 
He goes, I just got fired, but I was just on WrestleMania, I guess. He's like, <laughs> he was like, that was weird, man. Like, he was actually, like, baffled for real. It wasn't like that he was like, wow. Yeah. He was actually like, I don't know what I just watched. Yeah. it was. He had a good line, though. He was like, I don't know anybody that gets fired. Uh, and then months later, yeah, made yeah, a headline. Yeah, made it. hired. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it was, like I said, Bray Wyatt really is good. I'll give him credit at it. Like, very difficult to shift characters like he does. Yeah. Um, like I said, I noticed that with him years ago, even when he, when he started to become popular. Mm-hmm. I was like, this guy has charisma. People like him, but he's not a great wrestler. That's why he needed those other guys around him before. Mm-hmm. So now he's more of an entertainer, and he's he's damn good at it. But you know, we'll see, Kevin. If if you know, hopefully WrestleMania next year is normal because that means sports are going to be normal yeah. again uh, right now. I'll I'll just add this quickly. I think the most interesting thing is, right, without a doubt, the Firefly Funhouse match and the Boneyard match were the things that people loved about WrestleMania the most. What are we missing? And Well, no, 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 forget that for a second. Is Vince always likes to do what, like the fans love if like he and he'll do it over and over and over again. But that stuff is difficult if you do it in the crowd, like with a crowd there. That's kind of an interesting little like mix. So it'll be interesting to see how much he actually does it. Um, I'm looking uh, here at uh, Mandy Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you telling me Mandy Rose is a Gale? I don't. I, I Martino. Martino's like related to her. I think maybe she went to Iona. He he knows he knows. She's the, from Westchester. Yeah, yeah. She did. She went. She went to Iona. I mean, come on. That's the thing. We were at WrestleMania. How about how about you guys? Rick Iona's taking the world over. How about Rick Patino? What's the deal with her though? On WrestleMania. Did you see that? What Patino was betting on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made a bet with his brother. He goes, look, if uh, Brock wins the main event, you come to Iona. If Drew wins, we'll go to Minnesota. His brother got hit with the bait and switch. That's why the older brother always wins, right? His brother goes, I can't go against a gopher, so give me Brock. Clown move. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You are watching Game Time Decisions. I am Gabriel Morancy. Throwing it down with the raging redhead, Cam Stewart. Kevin Walsh going to step up for them. We're going to talk some WrestleMania. Uh, Cam, <laughs> you know, I didn't uh, I didn't watch all of WrestleMania on Saturday night and Sunday night, but I seem to get all the cool. Um, I seem to see all the cool uh, matches because I, I see, like, I didn't miss anything, basically. And I did watch it. I had it up. Uh, but I, I found that the, the in-ring stuff just doesn't work uh, for no. the WWE. Even though it was WrestleMania, it was kind of awkward. Uh, but I'll give credit. Uh, WrestleMania did a great job, actually. Very, very sinister, dark, strange. <laughs> like, people don't even, you know, honestly, it was some of the strangest stuff that I've ever seen uh, in wrestling before. They had a cool boneyard match on, on Saturday night. And very, very good idea, actually, Cam, because it doesn't work in the ring. And and The Undertaker's not a very good wrestler to begin with. So instead of, like, in a ring, it was like a movie. They had, like, music playing. It was, like, in a, in a, in a cemetery. Yeah. And it was very, like, Walking Dead-ish. There was, like, a barn, and, like, there was the Druids came out. And, <laughs> like, it was in, like, the woods. You know what I'm saying? I so, love like, it. So, like, you didn't realize there was no fans. They didn't need no fans. Uh, Edge and uh, and Randy Orton beat the crap out of each other, yeah. and that was cool stuff. Like it wasn't in the ring; they were like they went all around the building everywhere in like a hardcore match. That was really really cool. And John Cena and Bray Wyatt, the uh, the Funhouse match was was like Bizarro World, bro. Yeah, yeah. And people <laughs> people bet on this stuff. Came it wasn't like a wrestling match, but it was it was literally like just. 18, 20 minutes of bizarro, acid-induced weird stuff, yeah. man. <laughs> like trick mirrors and all that stuff. No, like, yeah, oh, it was like yeah. it was like it was like a bunch of video clips that they did. Wow. So they would be head to head, and you sort of hit them, and it would be like a skit, and it would be really weird, <laughs> but it was really cool. It was really it was really cool, but it was so strange and bizarre. And then at the end, he sort of knocked him out, and he won. Like that was, like basically. Like the Boneyard match cam when it started, I thought it was the pre-fight intro because it was all video, yeah. right? I'm like, all right, when's yeah. the match going to start? I'm like, man, this intro is long. Then I realized this is the match. Like when I'm watching the match, like type thing. It was very... They figured it out. Yeah, like I said, it was very different. And I've been around and even for me to like, I had to watch and wrap my head around what I was watching. Yeah. It shows how creative it is. They took a chance. Not everybody loved it. I saw some people like, oh, it was just too weird. And, oh, it was, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what I was watching and, yeah, well. and stuff like that. But it was actually pretty fun. So we'll get, uh, we'll get Walsh's take on that. So we were talking about the, um, the virtual racing going on, eSport or whatever, with Bubba Wallace somehow losing Blue Emu as, as a sponsor. Um, but the term virtual is being used a lot now. Yes. And... The NFL draft, quote unquote, will be a virtual draft. Mm -hmm. You and I talked about this. We predicted it. Yeah. Yeah, that you know, that's that's basically what it's gonna be. But one thing I've noticed, and I know they announced that the draft is gonna be on Zoom. They're using the Zoom uh, yep. platform. And Cam, you know, anyone that watches the news knows over the last couple of weeks, Zoom have been getting penetrated hardcore. Uh, oh, oh, that yeah. kid on the Rangers did a uh, a QA with fans, like um, you know, like Nazi groups hijacked the, the Q&A. Oh, yeah. A great. woman's group was doing, like, they're jerks. There's real jerks out there. Yeah. So, like, there was, like, a big women's conference. Somebody decided to put, like, hardcore porn on it. So, like, these women doctors are talking and stuff, and then, boom, like, they can't control it. Like, these hackers, like, jump in. Imagine the NFL draft, bro. 
And the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock, and then boom, someone starts hacking into the Vikings yeah. computer and stuff. Yeah, it, it, they, yeah the Vikings this selected isn't, This isn't feet. foolproof. I'd be very concerned. <laughs> eater, eater. Yeah, you're, next thing you're like, what the? What? This is a family program. You like, and I you know, do this all the time, Cam. <laughs> just imagine. Yes. Imagine Mike Zimmer. This stupid Zoom. What the hell? I just oh, logged oh. off. What about? Oh. Get me back on. Oh my God. He's gonna be on the phone. Take this guy. <laughs> It's funny, man. And that's the thing. Like, we're talking about stocks. That show that I did with Blessing, like, a year ago, like we were on Zoom, crystal clear, whatever. The whole world's using Zoom. Uh, educational videos. People are going to school on these things. You talk, we're having our uh, pre, uh, pre-show pre meetings on it. Like, I the, I don't know the, the, the amount of usership and a percentage that has gone up with Zoom, but I'll tell you one thing, man. It's absolutely insane. And you're right. When that many people go on it, you're going to get freaks and bad groups. So I'm with you. Don't be surprised if something crazy happens during the NFL draft. All right, let's get into our questions of the day, and they're always yep. fun to get into. Theodore, uh, Theo knows on Twitter steps up, and it says, any good flying airplane stories? Well, me and Cam have too many, actually. Uh, we'd be here, uh, yeah. we'd be here for, for hours. But <laughs> My favorite is, though, when you got bombed, spilled the wine, uh, you know, on Delta or whatever, ripping it. Next thing you know, you had your, like, first time in your life, you're ever wearing, like, khakis or some bad, interesting color that's not, like, black jeans, and you get a $300 voucher and a deal for a trip. I thought they did a, a pretty damn good job, and we were wasted. That was yeah, a great yeah. one. Yeah, the time <laughs> me and Cam went to uh, to Mississippi, Mississippi oh. State, to see our boy Jutsi, may rest in peace. Ooh, what, a, uh, what a weekend. Yeah, it was real hard to get out there. It's not easy to get to uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, let me tell you. So... We had to fly to from Toronto to Memphis, and, and then we had to drive like four or five hours or whatever. But the thing is, big mistake. And you know, listen, I've been around long enough to know. Once in a while, you do it. It never ends well. It never ends well. But when you start drinking at the airport before you get on the plane, oh yeah, yeah. it's one thing to drink on the plane, and that doesn't end well. No. But when you drink at the airport, and me and Cam started drinking at the airport, like while we were waiting to get on the plane from Memphis, we get on the plane. Not a lot of people on the plane. Not a lot of people going to Mississippi, right, from Toronto yeah. at the time. So we're on the plane, and we're getting hammered, except they don't mind. Like, the store, the flight attendants yeah. were cool and stuff, and we drank them out of everything pretty much, literally and literally. We're drinking, like, red wine at this point. We're on to the red wine. We went through the vodka, and, like, she's like, you guys pretty much drank us dry. Yeah. And uh, we get to the red wine. There was a little turbulence. The lady yep. spilt the red wine on me. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. <laughs> she spilt it on me, like, toof. But it went all over my pants. Like, it like it was like my pants were ruined type thing. Yeah, I got $250. It was $250. Uh, yeah. She said, sir, hold on a minute. She came back. She said, I'm very sorry. She gave me a voucher. And uh, it was uh, good for credit. I used it, too. It was good for credit. $250. Uh, Delta hotels or airlines or whatever. It might have been 300 bucks. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we got there. But, you know, great, great time. The, the time, though, we told the story briefly about March Madness a couple of years ago. That was the last March Madness that we were at, that um, I was busting Cam's balls. And it's funny because I was confused. Normally, I'm very aware. No, it's Sunday night, Saturday night. But yeah. I don't know why that airline cam, that what the, the, the website was very confusing. It was. I literally even asked the lady. I called. And I said, I don't want to book. I don't want to leave Saturday night at 1 in the morning. She means Sunday morning, sir? I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh. What part of this is so confusing? I want the red eye Sunday landing Monday morning. 
right? So she's like, that's what you're on, sir. I'm like, okay, fine. Okay, yeah. So we're in Vegas. It's March Madness. Saturday, we're having a great time. It was a great time in Vegas that time. You know, we're there three, four days. Saturday comes. Cam's like, oh, my God. I thought my flight was tomorrow night, Sunday <laughs> night, but it's tonight now, Saturday it night. It is. And I'm like, oh, how can uh, you do that? I double checked. You're, you know, you're an idiot. Oh, this is terrible. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell leaves Vegas on a Saturday night? That's what we came here for. It's March Madness. And yeah, so I'm, and I'm like, poor Cam. I'm like, you got to cancel it. And you're like, oh, I'll just bite the bullet and I'll leave. And Cam's getting hammered because he knows he's leaving. So Cam's getting hammered. I'm like, poor Cam. And we're all laughing at Cam. Poor guy. Yeah. He misbooked the flight. Guys, I'm standing there. It's like six at night in Vegas. Yeah. My phone starts buzzing. And look, it's like, you have two hours to board. Yeah. How's your flight <laughs> like, doing? Yeah, I told you. I, you screwed Cam, up. I looked at you. I said, oh, my God. I'm on your plane. We were on this, me and Cam both screwed up the same plane. Remember, I was like, oh, my God. I had to literally run to my room, like, throw everything in a bag. Like, literally. I was like, oh, like, I got to leave. So I like, ran. But there was the Michigan-Houston game was on. So it was basically run, pack the bag, get the bags ready. Watch the game and then go. <laughs> I don't. Then, that wasn't crazy. It was them, man. I don't know who was working that day, but man, we got. No, we uh, got screwed. Oh yeah, we got pooched. That's never time. happened to me before. I've yeah, booked that. I've booked that flight a million times. I dude. knew there was something off when I spoke to the lady too. I was like, "Are you sure? Like it's Saturday?" Oh yes, yeah, sir. But in the end, it worked out because basically, Michigan beat Houston at the buzzer, won yep. a bunch of money. Yep. Literally had no time to lose it. Like, we cashed the money and walked out of Circus Circus into a taxi and went to the airport. And ironically enough, me and Cam nearly missed our plane because um, we were because eating chi uh, chi yeah, chilies. We went to chilies <laughs> to eat before our plane. Excellent. We got caught up in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Guy was a Michigan fan, too. He loaded us up. Uh, that chilies in that airport, delicious, man. Those I've got, I got a million airport stories. Yeah, I got, I got a million airport, the big yeah. show I can go on, but. Here's our main man, Kyle, in Atlanta. Will wearing masks and gloves become the new normal after this? And how long will that be the new normal for? Yes, it will be the new normal. Listen, there's no vaccination for 18 months. You know, there's people, I think people will be wearing masks at sporting events. I think masks are sort of the thing of the future. You know, you see, not to get too, um, you know, into uh, geopolitical, but yeah. just basically, you see how how quickly the air is cleaning up without yeah. us flying around and damaging Exactly, it. exactly. Like, like, we do so much damage that, as it is now, in the next, like, 15 years, you'll need a mask because the air quality be so bad. I agree with that. And a lot like, of like climate change and global warming, whether you believe it or not, it's real, guys. So, and then it'll be just like this pandemic, Cam, I swear. It's going to be like the year 2042. They're going to be like, why did California just fall into the ocean? Why are there flash floods? Why are there no crops? Why are our crops burned down and it's overheating? And, well, because you didn't pay attention before. Don't act surprised. I saw a thing about that, about in the future, you'll basically, it'll be like this all the time. Yeah. People won't want to go outside. The air quality will mess you up. You'll need a mask when you do. Like, But in the near future, uh, for Kyle, I think literally probably for about the next two years, I think yeah. in two years, Year, now, we're starting to get back normal. Yeah. Once there's a vaccination and people feel safe and they're not, I don't care, I get it. I can't get yeah. it, or if I get it, I get a vaccine. It's like the flu or something. But as long as there's unknown death around it, and, and, and the thing is, too, and I'm not a scientist, obviously, but 
anyone that's been paying attention to this knows, like the Spanish flu cam came in 1918, right? I just like more people died from it in 1920, though. That's, yes, you know what I'm saying? The Black Plague in 1960, uh, in 1366 or whatever. It was actually like 1370 that it really, like, these viruses show up. It's just an appetizer. They regroup and then they come for like the, they think, oh, you think you're, you think you beat it, huh? And then they come for you. It's like every time, like everyone, everyone knows it's like, and it's happening in China now. So guys, it's not like just in May or in like June, okay, everyone can go outside again. You got to mitigate this stuff. Not saying you want to sit inside forever at home, all of us, but regular society, we're like, I think probably about two years, Cam. That's the best. Just an appetizer. Yeah, it's a a very good way of putting it. Another thing is a lot of these guys have been proactive. Remember people, Gabe, in big cities, they've been wearing masks for years. They already were ahead of the game with this stuff, but I agree. I agree 100%. All right, the, 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 always love the questions. All right, we got Kovacs, Jordan Kovacs. It's a tough one. Better college running back, Barry Sanders or Bo Jackson? I'm going to have to go with Bo Jackson in this one. I think Bo Jackson, what he did at Auburn, like Barry, Barry Sanders, he was a stud too. Remember Thurman Thomas? Also, they had a dual threat. He played a couple years at Oklahoma State, too. But I'm going to have to just say Bo Jackson for dominance game. He was just too good. He ran over everybody, kind of like the Bo Jackson in Tech Tech Mobile. You can't talk. Five guys on him, he'll still get to the touch. Barry Sanders is an elusive guy and had great runs, but I'm going to have to go with Bo Jackson from Auburn. Yeah, I'll lean. You know what? I think Barry Sanders, as good as Barry Sanders was in college, he was actually even better in the National Football League. Yep. So, obviously, Barry Sanders is a better NFL back than Bo Jackson was. Bo's career is pretty short in the National Football League. But Bo Jackson, oh, you know, Herschel Walker, better than both of them. Yes, I you agree. Know, Herschel Walker, more dominant college running back. To me, he's the best college running back of yeah. all time, Herschel Walker. You know, Bo Jackson, I was lucky enough, I was living in Los Angeles when he was on the Raiders uh, at the time. So I've seen, I saw him play in person, which is like super cool. And he was that good. You know what, you know, he was that good. You know who the quarterback was when I was there? I was there a few years, though, but one of the What guys, year were you there? Like uh, 80, 89 to like 91, 88 to like 91-ish type Plunkett, thing. Jim Plunkett was there in uh, 83, 84. No, I was past. That was Jim Plunkett, Plunkett retired. So, uh, blonde guy, Jay Schrader. Oh, Jay Schrader, yes. Jay Schrader. Kind of cannon, right? They flip yeah. bombs like Jay, Jay Schrader. You're right. Like, yeah, well, weird Jay Schrader. Yeah, forget about that blonde guy. Blonde guy. Uh, <laughs> Jay Schrader. Yeah, Redskins, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was very good. Vince Evans. I don't even remember. Um, Vince Evans. Vince black Evans. Black guy. Yeah. He was one of the first black quarterbacks, actually, in the NFL. Um, he, he'd been around a while. First starting quarterbacks. Um, yeah, Vince Evans was there. You know, the, the coach was one of the years I was there. A lot of coaches when I was there. But one of the coaches was Mike Shanahan. That's true. Hard yeah. to believe. Mike Shanahan. They fired him after like a year. And he went to Denver and the rest is history there. Art Shell. Art Shell, legendary Raiders coach. Art Shell was the coach for the most part. But I was going to say, I was not at the game. I, I did go to a lot of games. I did go to a lot of Raider games. But I didn't go to this game because I think the Bills were playing in the playoffs the same day. I don't know why I didn't go. I could have went. I didn't. And I was at home. But I was living in Los Angeles. Bo Jackson's last game. Like, I remember I saw him go down. I was like, that's not good. He's not getting up. And it's crazy because anyone who remembers Bo Jackson's last tackle and last play, 
It wasn't vicious. Bo Jackson was sort of breaking away, running down the sideline against the Bengals. Bengals, yep. And dude on the Bengals sort of typically like ran behind him, sort of jumped on him, and they both fell and they landed. Not violent at all, really. And Bo had a bad hip and he had knee problems. And something something snapped. Like he heard something pop. And it was pretty crazy when when they landed, Bo told him, I'll never play again. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. literally he on did. the spot. Like, yeah, he goes, I'm done. He goes, that's it. And I guess he was a little freaked out. And Buddy was freaked out. He goes, man, I just killed Bo Jackson. Like type thing. Yeah. He didn't want it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Bo told him, it's not you. It's not you. And he, and he told him. He said, it's, it's over. And Bo knew. He goes, I'm done. And that was it. Like, it was that bad at the time. And the Bengals ended up going winning, winning the game. Uh, Beng- Bengals won that game. But yeah, Bo Jackson, great, great, uh, such, such a great dynamic running back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.